Hi everyone, I'd like to welcome you to Bite Size Technology, where we'll help educate and hopefully entertain you on all things IT. Well, welcome along to this first of a series of podcasts we're going to be running at Bytes. I'm Peter Ely, uh, Modern Workplace Practice Leads at Bytes. So uh, all of these podcasts are going to have a different subject that we'll be looking to open up a discussion in each episode. And we'll be uh, featuring a, a different guest speaker each time we uh, run them. So this week, we're pleased to be able to have Spencer Pitts from uh, VMware along with us. Uh, instead of me introducing you to uh, the podcast. Do you, do you want to tell us what it is you do at uh, VMware, Spencer? Yep. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me, and thanks for everybody listening. So, um, yeah. I, so, what I'm supposed to do, or what I actually do, because sometimes they can differ, Pete. But yeah. Um, so, what I'm supposed to do is I'm, I'm the chief technologist for Digital Workspace. So, um, I do things like this. Um, in back in the day, before everything that happened last year, I kind of enjoyed going to see customers and meeting them face to face and getting on stage and talking about great solutions we have at VMware. But I do a lot of, I guess, also with analysts um, speaking to them around what's going on in the industry. And um, but my favorite uh, amongst all of it is just, you know, speaking to customers and finding out what's going on and hopefully helping them. So uh, thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, we work closely as well. And I've done a lot of stuff with you in the past. And uh, I think the last time we met was, was it Barcelona, Peter? Would it would have been Barcelona? He says, the days, I think the days when we were able to do those kind of things, those kind of yeah. events, yeah, yeah, it sounds like a dim and distant memory, doesn't it? But anyway, yes, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, as well as the, the current sort of role that you're doing, like you're saying, working with analysts, getting articles published in the Sunday Times as well, I see. So, uh, really, uh, <laughs> doing the grounds at the moment. Well, for this podcast, as you may have guessed, we'll, um, we'll be discussing the modern workplace. And we really want to discuss some of the areas that businesses might be finding challenging right now uh, around remote working uh, and management of IT operations in the current setup. Uh, we're a year into this pandemic, and I think we're all a bit bored of it for various reasons. I'm determined not to mention the C word today. Um, but it's it's unavoidable to discuss EUC without talking about the challenges that organisations are facing. Um, Spencer, this pandemic has stretched IT's capabilities. We've seen all sorts of approaches. We've seen people who've just gone out and bought loads of laptops for their staff. Some have bought more VDI licences. If, if you were an IT director that had done that 12 months ago, what would you be doing now, would you, do you reckon? Yeah, so you're right. I, I mean, I don't want to labour all of the. Uh, I've heard some good stories and some horror stories. Uh, I, I do remember some people going out to some, you know, <laughs> local stores that maybe you'd buy a laptop for your for your uh, son or your daughter from, right? Because they just didn't have anything else, and people were going home. And then how can I give them a machine? So I, I've heard stories about that as well. Um, I think generally, though, there was that initial rush and a lot of panic. I think IT departments, considering, did pretty well. I think what a lot of customers were not really prepared to do is think about some of the other challenges. It's not just the tech, it's also the, um, and we know this because we've been working, a lot of us have, right, um, for about a year now, kind of isolated in that, and we're starting to see some other issues there. But I think it was that initial, what do, what do I need to support them? What about, you know, some of the other kit as well that they need to do? What about them? How do I keep them engaged? There's a, I think it's gone beyond the typical first bits of tech, but then we're starting to get into some other things we hadn't considered. But 
a lot of it was process as much as the tech. But yeah, in the early days, VPNs, that was the biggest thing, I think. You, you kind of sat in a, actually, to be honest with you, you sat in about three camps. You were a traditional IT shop that maybe had traditional tooling, that you used to manage machines, that were all sitting on maybe a lovely enterprise network in a big central office or a workplace with good connectivity, maybe on the LAN or something like, along those lines, or a corporate Wi-Fi, sort of in the, um, I guess, the bounds of an enterprise network. Let's put it that way, right? Whether you're Wi-Fi or, or LAN. And, you know, doing it quite successfully for a while. And that's where I hail from, actually, from back in the day of Bank of New York. That's what I kind of sort of learned my trade doing. Um, but then suddenly, everyone has to be at home. So, okay, what about those tools? Do they all work in the same way? And network connectivity is a big issue, right? So you had those people that did it the old way, that way. Then you had some people that were a little bit more advanced and maybe already had some remote working type solutions. But I think the point there was that a lot of people used to design it for the minority. So you might have, I don't know, 15%, 20%, maybe it was a certain set of users, traveling salespeople or people that, you know, when they go home, they can still access email, et cetera. So you could probably say that it was designed for the minority or the minority of their job. And um, then you had some other people that were a lot more um, distributed already. And, and interestingly, if you think about that kind of concept of a digital workspace, the more people that had those sort of technologies in place were better able to, to navigate through those early days. And from a tech perspective, like I said, it was a laptop, maybe increased load of VPN connectivity so you can get access to all your apps. Some people had VDI, right? And um, we saw a massive uptick in VDI, whether that was people that already had it on-prem and they massively scaled it out or whether they chose to, I don't know, do things like just picking a product name here, for instance, a Horizon on um, on Azure, for example, on WVD. Why would you choose that one, Spencer? I can't think why that might be, Peter, but thanks for keeping me honest. But yeah, you know, VDI technologies, and we saw a massive uptick in that, right? And then, um, yeah, other people that were a little bit more mobile anyway, but yeah, they were the kind of the main things that we saw. And I think people got through it, sort of, and then they started to look back and find, okay, it's kind of working, but is it optimal? So they were some of the early bits. Yeah, I think I think that's what we saw. We saw there was no one approach. Um, it was trying to mix what they kind of had already, and thinking uh, you know, well, trying to really understand how this is going to go, how this is all going to pan out, and whether they really need to make a massive investment now. But I, th I think in all of those scenarios you just described, I, you know, I think the question remains: Are they good enough technologies? Um, VPN, VDI. Uh, or, or doing some kind of management of devices where you were able to provide that flexible working, are they good enough technologies or is there something that's being missed? Yeah, so if your benchmark was you had nothing before and then you got everything up and running and you're a, I don't know, a typical, let's say a call centre worker, as an example, I picked them out, and then suddenly you have to work at home. But you're not used to that before because you're very used to work going into the physical workplace sitting with all your colleagues and doing all of that kind of stuff and being quite intense on the phone, but suddenly you're working at home, right? And to you, that might feel like, of course, it's brilliant. It's, yeah, I can work at home and hey, I can do all of this stuff. Although, as we know, as time progresses, you kind of wish that you're back in the office. That's the human side we'll probably get into later, I guess. Um, but yeah, to you, that works fine, right? But I think that they were sort of plasters, if we're being honest, over the real problem. They are sort of, we scaled stuff out, but they wouldn't be optimal. If you, 
if you were to take a step back and say, hey, look, most of our workers are all going to work from home remotely or most of the types of workers. Obviously, we've got other personas that kind of are out driving around, maybe fixing things face to face or retail or whatever it might be. But, you know, frontline service workers. But let's say that we're focused on the knowledge workers for a second working at home that mostly those users if you were to design that from scratch would you say right i'm going to put a load of apps i'm going to put them in a big central data center in an office sitting in the middle of the city and i'm going to get everybody to kind of punch a hole back in to get access to then maybe then go and connect to the internet you wouldn't would you right Mm -hmm. if you if you had the beauty of hindsight you wouldn't have done it that way and i'm picking on the network stuff here but it's also the apps and how you to your point how you manage the devices a lot of what we've done were honed and did a lot of work and we got to that point where we could do it really well but mostly when everybody was in a physical workplace on an enterprise network let's be honest and suddenly we changed it completely so yes they work and like i said it have done some great things over the pandemic but are they optimal are they the most efficient way are they the most reliable way are they going to give the users the best performance etc etc i don't think they probably are but they are working at the moment and i think that's kind of what i'm seeing at the moment when i'm speaking to customers is We've done what we did, sort of working. We're going back in and making sure it's, you know, stable. But actually, is it the right way going forward? And I think there's an opportunity to do things a little bit differently. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think, like, you um, you probably can put the analogy uh, next to, you know, that container boat that blocked the sewers. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's fine until something goes wrong, right? And, you know, that was, it's, it's something has been, like, just like I say, like a sticky plaster, but it just takes something perhaps just to block it and you know the whole thing is just it, it gives up uh, a vpn is a classic example of that um these technologies have a a complexity around them sometimes where, and and a, a likelihood of failing a lot of the time as well so that's that's been a big a big shift in opinion a lot of the time from uh, from many of the organizations we're chatting to I mean, yeah. also, I'd say visibility is a massive key. And, you know, you spoke about your your contact staff and, uh, you know, your, your call centre staff perhaps being distributed. But if there's no visibility or understanding of how your people are operating, what, what performance they're operating at, and there's, there's not going to be the uh, understanding of how to fix those issues. Uh, so there's definitely some clear gaps that are being discovered with some of these technologies. So when it comes to returning to work because that's where we're we're getting to i suppose you know we've, we've been through this horrible year we're starting to see this return to work plan what what sort of things do we need to consider what scenarios do you think we need to really factor in with regards to technology decisions yeah so it does and i know we're focusing on technology but i think it does have an impact on other things as well in terms of how we employ people right but what I tend to be hearing, and I'm sure you are, Peter, as well, is a lot of people saying, they're not saying they're going to get rid of the office completely or the workplace completely, but there's definitely an exercise of looking at the real estate. I'm sure this word's probably going to be that other than you're on mute last year, maybe it's going to be real estate rationalization. And I think there's a lot of people looking at that. Right? That seems to be the hot topic at the moment. And, and I'm not sure that is totally what they need to do, but I think definitely looking at that workplace and saying, because before it was everything, wasn't it? It was the place you went to, you did your work, you met with everybody, if that's the line of work you were in, and it was a communal place. Um, A good example, you just mentioned visibility, right? When I used to work in IT, 
if there was a problem and I could use X amount of tools, but ultimately nothing was better than just walking down to the, um, cause I used to, you know, do end user support. That's where I started off my life, so to speak. I think I had a life before end, but I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah, you go down and see the person, wouldn't you? And you physically fix it or, you know, there was an interaction aspect to it as well, but you can't do that when you're all at home because it'd be nice, wouldn't it? But when mm. we can't travel out. Right. So to your point, some of those concepts of how you do IT services and you end user support and the whole kind of service wraparound, it's completely thrown up in the air. So I think we now need tools that give us an insight into what's going on. And one of those is going to be things like the network uh, for sure. And uh, I think we spoke prior to this when we were talking about some of the things we're going to discuss today. Uh, modern management is the big thing, definitely. You know, we're used to uh, putting a PC on a desk and managing it inside the uh, the workplace and maybe it went home every now and again and when it came back it probably got its updates when it came back into the office depending on how you configured it but that tended to be what people did um but you know everyone's been at home for what a year plus now so how do you get updates in there does it work in the same way do we need to consider how we do patching and application distribution so there's a lot of things that i think people are starting to go look we can't design for the workplace to be the main place we got to design for the fact that people could be everywhere and their devices and everything else would be everywhere. So interestingly, remote work, I always have a little bit of a kind of thing about it because I think remote feels a little bit old. I'm going to put it out there. Remote is almost like a construct of remote from a place. And that place used to be your head office, didn't it? Actually, it should be kind of distributed now rather than remote. It's kind of what we're saying at VMware because you can't guarantee that everyone's ever going to go back to their main office. And I think you're going to definitely see people with a hybrid approach, you know, two days in the office maybe to get that interaction aspect and maybe you choose that. Um, but also that three days maybe or four days, I've heard different stories of what they're trying to do there. But I think there's definitely people looking at the, the building, what it's going to be like as well. Is it going to be lots of hot desks now? And then things like car parking. Have you ever been to, to our office in Staines, Peter? Have you ever done that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, memorable, right? Yeah, yeah. you picked um, that car parking space. You've had it. Yeah. Well, I was, <laughs> that's kind of where I was going with it. Actually, it's um, you can't really get in there on a Monday unless you get in there at half past six. And I kind of live in Brighton, just outside, and go into Staines. It's that means I'd have to be up about three o'clock, right, to get a park, car parking space. But things like that, I, I joke a little bit, but I think in the future we're going to need to think about how do you book. You're going to be we're going to have to do a lot more interesting things around getting people into a place. Number one, to get them safe, because I think we're going to be the C word, like you said. It's going to be around for a while, so I think there's some aspects there. But that redesigning of the workplace, I think, is also going to be interesting. And I think IT's responsibility in all of this is going to grow, which I find actually quite an interesting thing for anybody in end-user services. I think they're going to get a lot more stuff to get you know, into and other concepts that will be very interesting. And I think this is a bit of a hotbed for technology at the moment in that area as well. Oh, yeah, sure. Um... I mean, it's if you look at VMware, they they're ones who actually have, have taken this approach way before this this pandemic happened. So I mean, you, you had the the Bluefin building in London, and uh, closed it and went to flexible working and and just had like hot desk uh, offices in in London dotted around, which were a nightmare to book into. But I mean, that's that sort of almost set the tone really of how VMware saw. The future going with flexible working and how offices really would be in the future and i think that's you're right technology is really what's driving this scenario now and, and really um having a massive involvement in what happens next 
the problem is that um, technology also has a, has the ability to uh, have an, a, a negative impact. There's that IT joke that, that goes, computers make very fast, very accurate mistakes. And so you, you kind of think if you get it wrong, it could be a massive issue for organizations. So that as much as they're being involved, which is a good thing, they've got to get it right. So how do you balance that? What, what needs to be done to make this a very good, seamless, uh, in, enjoyable and good user experience for your end users, but at the same time, meet all of your organization's needs and, and requirements for compliance, et cetera? Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned compliance because security is one thing. But before we get on to that really quickly, I think you hit now on the head about the the end user experience bit. I think we've been talking in the industry for a while, haven't we? About end user experience. And uh, it, it was, I guess it was a little bit, how could you measure it? And there's been a lot of um, advances there. And we can talk about some stuff that's going on in the industry as a whole, a lot of stuff around that. But I think from an IT perspective, if I remember my days and I've seen a change over the last, I'd say five, six years, but if I remember forever in a day when I started off in IT, I kind of thought about the user separate, if I'm being really honest. And some of the decisions we made and some of the technology choices were more about operational cost savings and simplification and, you know, um, kind of put it, less complex the way that you have to look after stuff from an IT perspective. And some of that is down to the budgets they had as well. But I do think IT sometimes bought solutions that aided them rather than their users, if you know what I mean. Right. And, may, and maybe Boy, the fact oh. that we... Sorry? Boys toys. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we, we like to have a bit of a play every now and again, I, I would say. But I think it was more about making IT's life better. And yeah. um, But we didn't really know if the user was happy. And if you think about that for a second, some of the tools that we used to use were very much about IT-led things. Like, you know, did your machine boot in time? Um, did you launch this application, yes or no? And you know what it's like with statistics. You can put quite a few statistics in front of senior management to go, hey, look, we're hitting all our KPIs. And where I'm going with this is I think IT's role in the future going forward is going to be a little bit more that they can't just do what they did before. Those, those days have changed. They need to be understanding whether the user is productive. And there's different ways of doing that. But it might not just be about measuring what they're doing from an IT perspective. And in that way, I think they're going to have to work with other parts of business a lot more. And I'm definitely seeing a lot more organizations get IT and HR together in the same room. I started seeing it just before the pandemic anyway, but I think with what's going on and you, know, you even said it, you've got on here and going, oh, we've had a hard year, right? There's definitely a bit of lethargy, I would say, around people working at home. Can't wait to get back in the office. But you know, HR are very interested in that at the moment about talent retention and uh, employee burnout and their morale and what's going on. And I think there's some tools and some things we can do here, but IT have only really ever looked after, did the user get what they need to get their job done? The rest of it's over to you. And I think you're starting to see those things come together for sure. So that's kind of the IT side, if you if you know what I mean. I'll get to security in a second, but I don't know if you're seeing that, Peter. Yeah, and I think um, I think IT are now being involved at an earlier stage than it ever used to be. We, we used to have nothing but complaints from uh, some of the customers we spoke to that would just be like, oh, we've just heard, or it's been announced that there's a merger happening and we're like, as usual, we're the last to know about it. And it's, we've got to set up 500 users, you know, and get them integrated into our systems. And, it, you know, that was a, always a, a common 
complaint from from customers we spoke to but now i think they're being involved a lot earlier in the discussion alongside like you say the likes of hr and, and other sort of security focused teams in order to make sure this is you know brought together and, and addressed early on i think what we probably have to come down to is where does it where do you draw the line what's what's more important is it if you have something that's too secure you get a bad user experience if you give users exactly what they want you can end up with a bad security uh, environment so what do we need to really how do we balance whether it is about employee experience or security where do we focus well it and yeah, well, I said we get back onto security, and that, I guess that's the uh, that's the the bit here, which is the big thing now that everyone is at home. That in the early days, I think we cut some corners. If we're being honest, I mentioned VPNs, but I know people who are connecting from home PCs, right? And um, it was a case of, do you want to be secure or do you want to have a business? And obviously, in the early days, we just did what we did to get people up and running, and then security probably took the back seat. And I think over the last year. I've seen a massive um, uptick in customers looking at how can I go back and make that more secure? And I think what they're working out is it's not just about bolting stuff on top to make it more secure. Although some people have had to do that a little bit like my plaster analogy again. I mean, this is where the rise of zero trust is coming on. And I know that's a bit of a cliche phrase and it's very hot at the moment, but it's been around for about 12 years, believe it or not. The concept of zero trust, if you, if you trace it all the way back to when it, it was first sort of a fall about and it, and it kind of it's very interesting it kind of maps with customers where they are in terms of their app strategy as well right if you're a if you're a born in the cloud type customer to coin a phrase where all your apps are you know SaaS applications let's say it's office 365 or g suite or workday salesforce all of those kind of apps you don't really ever go into um, your data center to get access to apps it's mostly our bigger more established well, not necessarily bigger but more established been around a for a while, their apps mostly sat on on prem, right? So they needed to punch a hole back in. So I think this whole sort of like, what do I do with my apps? Which is another thing that I'm definitely seeing people think about, which is the whole app modernization piece. But that's linked very closely to to zero trust security, and I think that's the big thing that can really help. If you look at zero trust, it sounds like we don't trust anybody, and it kind of is. But that's where you start from. If you do that properly, I think to your point, you can get this good balance between more visibility, better security, but actually what it gives you is more choice in terms of how users access, because actually the way it's been done in the background, we get to see more what they're doing, but we're not limiting the choice in how they access. So they've got more choice in devices, operating systems, or let's be honest, everyone's got their own flavor of what they like and um, how they want to connect and how they want to work. And I think employing a different approach in terms of how you do your security is going to allow you to have a good balance between the user experience and the um, the kind of secure level. If you do it the old way, I think that's where it's, you know, the old way was very much about, uh, we don't really care about you, the user, we trust the device and it's very locked ecosystem and lots of lock it all down, but really affected the user's experience. Zero trust, if you do it right, I think you can give a good experience as well. And it's kind of more in terms of today where you don't really have that concept of an enterprise trusted network. So people are you know, going to be connecting distributed. So it fits really well with this new distributed workforce and hybrid model, I think. Mm. Interesting to think that, that you're right, that zero trust has been around a long time, um, but it's, it still hasn't been mastered. And so that's, 
I suppose now we're in a uh, situation where you really do need to kind of do something. Um, it, it's shifting that mindset um, away from the the antiquated way of doing things. And I suppose, yeah, that, that new approach has got to be key. We, we ran a, um, a survey recently um, with VMware and, and Forrester leading that um, discovery. And one of the things that came out was that uh, leaders are, are looking to deploy technology which will um, understand what the employees know about upcoming, upcoming changes and, and conduct surveys to make sure employees are happy with new processes and things. So, you know, as, as their company moves to these kind of new technologies like modern management and zero trust, um, they'll be able to ensure that they continuously provide a good experience, but at the same time, it's secure. So that's just an interesting, interesting thing. And just one of the many things that have come out of uh, a recent survey that we commissioned Forrester to run. Uh, there was 154 IT decision makers that um, contributed to that survey. Um, and it's a fascinating read, well worth downloading. If you want to click on the uh, download link associated with this podcast, that'd be well worth having a look at. But that concludes our podcast for today. I'd uh, really like to thank Spencer for your time and sharing your thoughts with us today. Uh, any last recommendations you'd suggest to anyone that's listened in? Yeah, I think approach this with an open mind, just because you did it the way you did it before, right? And um, I think we've all gone through a lot of change recently, and I think there's an opportunity now to do things the right way and design for the future. So, yeah, let's look at this as an opportunity. It's been bad, but I think there's, you know, there's some good stuff out there. And uh, I think, you know, working with people like yourselves and VMware, Bytes and together we've got a great partnership we've done this quite a few times and we're we're talking to lots of customers already around this and we're coming up with some good approaches so uh this isn't as daunting as what it might sound and there's a lot of good kind of methodologies and experience out there so uh yeah we can help i guess is probably the the ultimate kind of last say there peter yeah i i'd agree with that and that's uh that's good advice so well, you heard it here first thanks for listening <laughs> and uh have a good day Thanks for listening to Bite Size Technology. Please do watch out for our next session coming soon.